Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to supporting our nation's first responders and veterans, heroes who put their lives on the line for our communities and our country, heroes like U.S. Army Major Jonathan Turnbull. Major Turnbull sustained devastating injuries at the hands of an ISIS suicide bomber. The complete loss of his left eye, a puncture to his right eye, he needed more than 20 surgeries and countless hours of rehabilitation. Tunnel to Towers paid off his mortgage and gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his needs. He moves around his home more easily now. His home also gives him hope. With help from people like you, the foundation supports families like the Turnbulls. Join Tunnel to Towers in supporting America's heroes, our nation's catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, homeless veterans, Gold Star families, and the families of fallen first responders. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Leaked documents from the American Association of Pediatrics shows that a growing number of pediatricians are raising questions about the organization's policy pushing puberty-blocking drugs on transgender-identifying youth. Documents also show the organization is actively silencing dissent and blocking critics from changing the rules. Plus, Attorney General Garland finally speaks out on the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago. We have those stories in tonight's Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. So the trans movement for youth isn't just something that left-wing activists are devoted to. Increasingly, the White House, the Biden administration, has weighed in on this issue and always in favor of promoting transition for very young children as quickly as possible, not just changing their pronouns or their names or their dress, but actually trying to give them puberty-blocking drugs and even sex change surgery at a very young age. Well, The medical community, you would think, would speak out against this, but no, actually, the 
American Association of Pediatricians has decided that they're going to, as an organization, be highly supportive of this, despite the fact that there is lots of evidence that this has really deleterious, really destructive long-term effects for the children who go through this transitioning process. And now finally, we're seeing, thanks to a whistleblower, some leaked files that expose how U.S. pediatricians are accusing their own professional body, here you go, this is a Daily Mail headline, of pushing a harmful drugs-first approach on trans teens and of deliberately blocking moves to change the rules. So let's just understand what's going on here. The activists understand, the trans activists within the medical field now, I'm not talking about a job, I'm talking about doctors, I'm talking about people that are supposed to do no harm act based on the science, not the politics, not what feels good in the moment. What we're finding is that these large medical associations that set a lot of policy that is then followed by hospitals and private practices for doctors all over the country, they have been overtaken by activists who say, this is the policy and there'll be no discussion about it. You can call them the biomedical Stalinists of the trans agenda for youth, that's what's going on right now all over the place. From the Daily Mail, pediatricians across America are at war with their own professional body over controversial puberty-blocking drugs routinely handed to teens wanting to change gender. The top child health experts accuse the American Academy of Pediatrics of pushing the harmful drugs on transgender-identifying youngsters, according to damning leaked documents. So this is what they're doing, folks, okay? This is what's happening right now. They're trying to suppress the internal debate about whether this is good medical care, whether this is best practice for children. One of the reasons they're suppressing it, of course, is that they're ideologues and that they view the war on gender, the existence of gender, as absolutely essential. Uh, they also don't want anyone to be able to point out that the long-term realities of this are incredibly bleak based on the data, based on the science. There are groups with tens of thousands of people in them online who are called detransitioners who regret their transition. Why can't that be talked about by any doctors? Also, what do puberty blockers do to children in 20 years? What does having a transgender surgery for a 12-year-old mean for their life when they're 25, 45? What does it mean for them? They don't want to talk about it. They want to shut down the discussion. This is not about science. This is the most brute force politics imaginable. Here's a video, by the way, from Boston Children's Hospital, okay, about gender-affirming hysterectomies for transgender teens. Gender-affirming hysterectomy is very similar to most hysterectomies that occur. A hysterectomy itself is the removal of the uterus, the cervix, which is the opening of the uterus, and the fallopian tubes, which are attached to the sides of the uterus. Some gender-affirming hysterectomies will also include the removal of the ovaries, but that's technically a separate procedure called a bilateral oophorectomy. And not every gender-affirming hysterectomy includes that, and people who are getting gender-affirming hysterectomies do not have to have their ovaries removed. And this is monstrous, right? We can all, they're, they're talking about because a 12-year-old in this environment of being pushed with all this trans ideology all the time, a 12-year-old wants to have her uterus taken out 
And now this is gender affirming, they say, at Boston Hospital. Yeah, that's what we're talking about here, folks. These people are out of their mind. But it's not just at the uh, hospitals and the activists that are running them. In lab coats, of course, the doctors, the MDs, who are effectively left-wing shock troops for the trans agenda. Here is Biden, Assistant Secretary of Health, Rachel Levine. Rachel Levine is a biological male, also known as a man, saying that we need to empower kids to get gender affirmation treatment. Watch. So we really want to, 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 to base our treatment and, uh, and to uh, affirm and to uh, support and empower these youth, not to limit their participation in activities and sports, and even uh, uh, limit their ability to get gender affirmation treatment in their state. Gender affirmation. What do you call it when somebody has the gender affirmation treatment and then decides that this was a huge mistake? Is that then gender deaffirmation? Why do we never hear about this? They act like it doesn't exist. They also don't look at the literature, the clinical literature that exists going back for decades that shows that youth, particularly who have uh, gender dysphoria, which is what they used to call it. Now, of course, they're changing the terms on us. Uh, Pete, but, but children who believe that they are a different gender than they are overwhelmingly stop thinking that, especially as they go through and finish puberty. But they don't want to talk about that. Here is Chloe Cole, a 17-year-old girl who is detransitioning, testifying at a California, California state Senate hearing on a bill that allows parents from other states to bring their children to California to get transgender surgery and puberty blockers for their kids. Watch. I was medically transitioned from ages 13 to 16. My parents took me to a therapist who affirmed my male identity, and the therapist did not care about causality or encouraged me to learn to be comfortable with my body. He brushed off my parents' concerns about the efficacy of hormones, puberty blockers, and surgeries. My parents were given the threat of suicide as a reason to move me forward in my transition. My endocrinologist, after two or three appointments, put me on puberty blockers and injectable testosterone. At age 15, I asked to remove my breasts. I really didn't understand all the ramifications of any of the medical decisions I was making. I wasn't capable of understanding, and it was downplayed consistently. My parents, on the other hand, were pressured to continue my so-called gender journey with a suicide threat. I will never be able to breastfeed a child. I have blood clots in my urine. I am unable to fully empty my bladder. I do not yet know if I am capable of carrying a child to full term. In fact, even the doctors who put me on puberty blockers and testosterone do not know. I mean, what they're doing is monstrous. It's immoral, it's wrong, but they're brainwashed. They think they're being so progressive they think they're bringing us into this gender-free or gender-fluid future. They are ruining lives. And it comes from the very top, the White House. Joe Biden, his administration, his personnel support this for kids. And now finally, because of a whistleblower, we're seeing that there are a lot of doctors out there who are saying, what the hell are we doing? They should be asking that question. All right, Attorney General Merrick Garland making his first public statements today about the FBI raid on former President Donald Trump's home at Mar-a-Lago. When we come back, former NYPD officer, conservative commentator John Cardillo is going to give us his take. First, let me talk to you about a great deal for my friends at Jace Medical. Does the current nationwide shortage of infant formula have you asking what's next? Did you know that nearly 100% of our nation's supply of antibiotics is produced outside the United States? If we can't control our own baby formula, what about all the life-saving medications that you need? Many experts predict that if there were supply chain disruption, pharmacies could run out of a lot of antibiotics in a matter of weeks. 
Thankfully, there's a new service to help you prepare for just such an event. Have you heard of the JACE case? It's a pack of five different courses of antibiotics that you can use to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, and skin infections. Every household needs at least one JACE case. Go to jacemedical.com buck right now and use the code word buck10 for $10 off your JACE case. That's code word buck10 for $10 off at jacemedical.com buck, J-A-S-E medical.com buck. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. Attorney General Merrick Garland made his first public statements three days after the FBI raid of former President Donald Trump's Florida home. Speaking earlier today, Garland said the DOJ was working to make the search warrant public and confirmed that he did approve of the raid. And our ethical obligations prevent me from providing further details as to the basis of the search at this time. There are, however, certain points I want you to know. First, I personally approve the decision to seek a search warrant in this matter. Join me now for reaction, former NYPD officer, conservative commentator, John Gardillo, uh, Cardillo. John, just give me your, your top line thoughts. I know you watched this press conference live. I watched it live today, earlier today. What did you think about this? Hypocritical. I mean, hypocritical. He talks about the rule of law and that no one is above the law. I'm paraphrasing. No one is above the law, and this department under Garland will hold everyone accountable regardless of their stature, their position. He has literal video. He is literally in possession of video of Hunter Biden weighing and using illegal narcotics with a prostitute holding a loaded firearm with his finger on the trigger, multiple federal felonies caught on video. Forget all the other evidence against Hunter Biden and a host of leftists. Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and the, the DOJ and the FBI do absolutely nothing. So for Garland to say that his department is only about the rule of law and it's unbiased is laughable. Then he went on to say something that I found chilling. Again, I'll paraphrase, but he essentially said that he's not going to sit by and let people question the integrity of the DOJ and the FBI. Here, John, let, well, me, let me actually play that yeah. for everybody at home so they can see, and then I want you to keep going. But let's, here's what he said Please. about that FBI issue. Go ahead. Let me address recent unfounded attacks on the professionalism of the FBI and Justice Department agents and prosecutors. I will not stand by silently when their integrity is unfairly attacked. The men and women of the FBI and the Justice Department are dedicated, patriotic public servants. Every day, they protect the American people from violent crime, terrorism, and other threats to their safety while safeguarding our civil rights. They do so at great personal sacrifice and risk to themselves. What do you make of this, John? I mean, he's lying, he's lying. Look, we know we, uh, Comey was fired. Andrew McCabe was fired. DOJ's Office of Inspector General found multiple incidents of, of FBI personnel and DOJ personnel lying on FISA warrants. We now know the whole Russiagate hoax was just that, a completely fabricated hoax with the cooperation of a foreign agent, Christopher Steele. But this is more chilling than all that, Buck. That's a warning to Americans that if you have an opinion, and an opinion, the questioning of everything government does is the heart of the First Amendment. So a former federal judge, now the Attorney General of the United States, 
is warning Americans that if they have doubts or questions or suspicions about federal law enforcement agencies, in particular, the two premier ones, the DOJ and the FBI, that they're going to be considered criminal dissenters for expressing those suspicions. Everybody in DC, Democrat and Republican, should be condemning Garland for that. I've given up on the Dems, but not one Republican has yet come out and condemned him, and it better start soon. Well, Attorney General Garland also said today, to your point about Hunter Biden and the videos of, of stuff that I think would make Charlie Sheen blush. But anyway, here he is, uh, Garland, saying that he applies the law without fear or favor. Faithful adherence to the rule of law is the bedrock principle of the Justice Department and of our democracy. Upholding the rule of law means applying the law evenly, without fear or favor. Under my watch, that is precisely what the Justice Department. I'm just gonna, I just throw out there, for example, the recent civil rights charges against those officers in Kentucky uh, involved in the Breonna Taylor shooting. He's going after them for wrong information on a search warrant, John. He's doing it because he is pandering to BLM and the activist right. anti-cop left. But now he wants to tell us that, you know, his, his, his time as attorney general, it's all about just the law. It's so ridiculous. People forget that Brianna Taylor was a drug mule. Her name was listed on the search warrant and her boyfriend opened fire on the police when they entered the home after announcing they were police three times. He and Taylor refused to open the door, so they used the battering ram to make forceful entry. The boyfriend shot at them, and they shot back. And she was standing there and got shot. I mean, it's so disgraceful. BLM riots, 60 Secret Service agents in Trump's White House and uniform personnel, rather, went to the hospital when Antifa and BLM attacked those gates. The FBI and DOJ did nothing. Garland sits back and lets left-wing criminals get away with literal murder, in some cases, the BLM and Antifa out there on the street. And he has the audacity to stand in front of the American people and say his department is about unbiased rule of law. It, it's laughable. And it would be funny if it wasn't so tragic. The, the, the FBI and the DOJ are now a weaponized secret police on behalf of the American left. Nobody believes Garland. He knows you don't believe him. But what is anybody going to do about it? Congress can't. Yeah, John, John, you know, we found out today that Garland admitted that he gave the order for the raid, that he approved this. That was one bit of information from that brief press conference. He also said that they're moving now to unseal the the warrant, but I think Trump's people have to sign off on that, and then it can be public. It won't be the whole entirety, right, of the warrant, but it'll be the part that goes to what you know the the basics of what they're doing there it won't be necessarily what exactly they were looking for um but where do you think this is all going man i mean you know you you were a law enforcement guy what do you think they were trying to pull off there well look i think they were trying to pull off two things right so if they're looking for information on documents so they say right that, that there was this dispute with the national archives the whole thing is improper and irregular in and of itself. That's that's ongoing. That That's happened in every administration. The president's legal team negotiates with the National Archives, and they come to an agreement on which documents go to the presidential library, which go back to the N.A. But what a warrant, what a warrant like this would depict is the search for documents, uh, uh, you know, brick and mortar, paper or electronic. Now, in the case of electronic, that allows them to search 
for anything as small as the smallest thumb drive or SD chip, meaning it would give them access to every nook, cranny, and compartment at Mar-a-Lago. But there are other issues here. Why was it done in secret? Why was, was security asked to turn off the cameras? Why was the hostage rescue team brought in, law enforcement tier one tactical unit for intimidation? Because they weren't expecting a gunfight with the Secret Service that protects Mar-a-Lago. My personal feeling is that this also might have been a Title III warrant to bug or wiretap the compound, certain phones, certain types of communications, computers. We won't know until we see it, but I don't trust this DOJ and FBI. And, and uh, you know, my last point on uh, uh, Garland's comments about he knew he personally approved the raid. Well, then I think we just caught the White House in a lie because they said they found out about the raid on television like everybody else. It is completely implausible. It's flat out unbelievable that the Attorney General of the United States would greenlight a raid of this magnitude on the home of a former president and the White House knew nothing about it. Implausible, mm-hmm. the president knew nothing about it, but ridiculously impossible, in my opinion, that the White House Counsel's Office and other staffers in the West Wing knew nothing. And I think the White House is lying. Do you think, John, just one more quickly before we got to go, yeah. do you think that they're really going to tell us at some point this was just about documents that the National Archive wanted? Sorry, rules are rules. Is that really what they're going to go with? Because I think people are going to lose their minds. Yeah, I think they're going to do that. And then they're going to say, however, part and parcel to the warrant, we found these other things. And if those things are on a thumb drive, that's, that, that, that could also hold those same National Archive files. So I think they were very crafty with this warrant. I think the warrant will depict National Archives. But remember, if, if the warrant says you can search for a vial of crack and you find rounds of ammunition and a contraband gun, in a drawer that's small enough to hold that crack, then that's all admissible. But they right. couldn't probably get a warrant on that. I think that's what they did here. It was very nefarious. Fishing expedition in the home of a former and possible future president. Yep. Dark days for the Republic. But John, always appreciate the expertise, man. Thanks Thank for being you. with us. You got it. Dr. Anthony Fauci defending his actions during the COVID-19 pandemic with public comments yesterday. I'll take a look at the Fauci's latest in the Buck Brief up next. First, I want to talk to you about protecting your online data. A lot of companies promise your privacy is guaranteed, but we know that's not true. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity application tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and offering secure instant messaging and email. With Secure, all of your communications based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platforms. Privacy is a big issue now. Without real security, people can read your emails, messages, even your bank information. Secure will never mine your data and never ask for your phone number. You can send emails to your doctor, banker, lawyer, or anyone else with total confidence you're not being spied on by your internet provider or big tech. Secure is your solution to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. Costs only $5 to the messenger, only $10 to the messenger and email combination package. Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com and use promo code BUCK for 25% off. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. Dr. Anthony Fauci spoke during a conference at the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center in Seattle this week where he did a bunch of complaining about how Americans were not uh, doing what they're supposed to, follow the guidelines that he and his team put in place. He also came to admit that the vaccines don't protect overly well against the infection of the COVID-19 virus. Yeah, no crap, Fauci. I'll take a look at the Fauci and his latest BS in the Buck Brief. 
If you were the commander-in-chief, let's say, or even just the theater commander, four-star general during a, a war, and the war went really badly, and you lost, and you had to sue for peace, and you had to lose a bunch of territory, you probably wouldn't be going around high-fiving people talking about how you're the greatest military strategist in history. But in a war against the virus, that's exactly what Anthony Fauci, an abject failure, is doing to this day. And this is no exaggeration. You can listen to him. He not only has referred to himself as symbolizing science. I am science, he once said. Remember that? I am science. This guy actually, this little lab coat tyrant actually said that out loud where people could hear him. Now he also thinks that at this phase, when he has been wrong on everything and absolutely appalling and awful, that he symbolizes truth and integrity right now. He is the symbol of truth, folks. Listen. What I symbolize in, a, in an era of the normalization of untruths and lies and, and all the things you're seeing going on in society from January 6th to everything else that goes on, people the craving for consistency, for integrity, for truth, and for people caring about people. Mm, that's what he symbolizes. Yeah, sure. I want to meet people that still believe that. I know there are people out there who are cult members in the Fauci, in the Fauci cult. They are completely brainwashed, and so they still hold this guy up as some kind of symbol of genius, of courage, of good, uh, good judgment, all of which is completely contra the reality of what we've all experienced. Wrong on vaccines, wrong on masks, wrong on lockdowns, wrong on everything. I mean, why can't Fauci just come out, for example, and say, hey, if you're wearing a mask outside, there is, there is literally no scientific basis for this whatsoever. There is no study, there's no data, there's nothing that promotes this activity. So please, don't feel like you're protecting yourself. You just look like an idiot. Why not say that? He won't, of course. And in fact, we talk about masking indoors, which also does not work, does not stop the spread of the virus, has not stopped the spread of the virus, and is an appalling political symbol now more than anything else, or a symbol of somebody's severe anxiety disorder. Fauci still walks around. He is flabbergasted the notion that human beings would be annoyed by the mandate. Remember, they made us do this. They would arrest you on a plane. They would arrest you if you walked in to a restaurant and didn't have your mask on properly. And he wonders, what, what do you mean it's an encroachment on Freedom Watch? When you tell people they need to mask in an indoor congregate setting when you're in a, 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 a zone that has a high dynamic of infection, and that is looked upon by a lot of people, not everybody, as, as an encroachment on your freedom. Um, that, we've never had that before. I mean, so, I mean, it, it, it's, it's almost inexplicable. He thinks it's inexplicable that people remember, we were made to mask up. They didn't allow it to be just a, a choice. No, no, they made us all mask up on planes, indoors, all over the country. Mask mandates were everywhere. We didn't have that before. So, yeah, now people are upset about it because it had never been done before since the Spanish influenza. How well did it work on that one, by the way, Spanish influenza? Did it stop that? No, it did not. Did it stop this one? No, it did not. Does Fauci take any blame whatsoever for this? Of course not. He's the absolute worst. The absolute worst. 
He doesn't understand why people being forced to wear a mask and even being pressured to wear N95 masks, which are very uncomfortable, very difficult to breathe in. He doesn't understand why anybody would have, would have a problem with that. Considering it doesn't work, friends. Considering it doesn't actually stop you from getting COVID. Even if you're, you're going to wear one partially, sometimes on a plane, you're still going to get COVID at some point. Everyone's gotten this virus, folks. That's what actually happened. We have herd immunity now to previous versions of the virus, but now we've got new versions of the virus. Everyone's going to get it again. This, fortunately, it's basically like a cold now for most people. But Fauci thinks this is all kind of funny, too. Remember how he initially shut down any discussion of how this came from a lab leak? Oh, it's, it's hilarious. Now Fauci makes jokes about gain-of-function research and the origins of COVID. Watch. WA1, Washington 1, is considered the ancestral model strain. Um, this no, center- I, I developed the ancestral <laughs> model strain. <laughs> I created it. That's right. You, you let it loose. I was in my kitchen. <laughs> yeah. <and> I, <laughs> you let it loose. Yeah. Right. Okay. Gain of function. Here we come. Right. <laughs> you were, you're making arancha, <laughs> Italian meatballs, and that's a gain of function. Ha <laughs> ha. Hilarious. But people are wising up to this. Fauci was honored at a Mariners Major League Baseball game. I don't know why anyone's honoring him. Honestly, he's lucky he's not in a federal prison. But he was met with a crowd full of boos. Watch this. I'm not one to make a lot of noise at professional sporting events in general. I would have been booing as loudly as I could right there because that man deserves it. He deserves to be booed. He deserves to be uh, completely shunned from public, uh, public office and public policy. It's, it's appalling. But, you know, now NPR even tweeted this out. The CDC guidelines have been relaxed recently, lifting the requirement to quarantine if exposed to the virus, which was insane, de-emphasizing screening people with no symptoms, etc. Yeah, just in time for the midterms. They don't want to actually face the accountability of people who realize they were wrong about everything. The Defense Department had yet another massive military aid package for Ukraine this week. We'll take a look at what's inside and what, if anything, it'll do to change the reality of the war on the ground over there. America First Policy Institute Stephen Yates is with us after the break. First, I want to talk to the owners of timeshares, especially those who are upset that their yearly dues have nearly doubled. In most cases, your timeshares will be passed from your generation to the next with fees included. It's crazy that the annual fees never stop even after you quit using your property. Well, I do have a solution. Get some peace of mind for my friends at Lone Star Transfer. This family-owned business has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and has over 16,000 satisfied customers. Lone Star has over 15 years of experience in the timeshare disposal business and a 99% success rate. Say goodbye to those fees. Customer service like Lone Star's, they treat you as if you're a member of their family. Give Lone Star Transfer a call for a free, no-obligation consultation. 844-284-4739. That's 844-284-4739 or online at LoneStarTransfer.com. Steve Yates joins when we come back. Stay with us. And another billion dollars onto the U.S. taxpayers' Ukraine assistance tab. The Department of Defense announced this week that the U.S. will be sending Yet another security assistance package to help the Ukrainian people defend themselves against Russia. 
Some of the items in the package will include 75,000 rounds of 155 millimeter artillery, ammo, 1,000 javelin and hundreds of AT4 anti-armor systems, 50 armored medical tra uh, treatment vehicles, medical supplies, first aid kits, bandages, monitors, other equipment, all that kind of stuff. So will this new package do anything to change the situation on the ground one way or the other? And where is all of this heading? Joining me now, Senior Fellow at the America First Policy Institute, Stephen Yates. Stephen, good to see you. Thank you, Buck. Good to see you, too. So are we just going to fund this forever? Is that basically the plan? I'm just wondering, like, is, if this war goes on for, for 10 years, I mean, the Iran-Iraq war went on for 10 years. We were somewhat involved in that one, too. Uh, are we just going to keep sending multi-billion dollar checks? Where, where do you see this going? Well, sadly, I think it is just slowly grinding forward. I don't think that there is a, a plan that is viable that has any kind of an end state in mind. There was opportunities early on to sue for peace and figure out what the contours of that new normal would look like. Uh, people can argue the pros and cons of it, but basically that opportunity was passed. Uh, there's no indication that Putin is losing an appetite for continuing the conflict uh, or that the sanctions have stopped him from having the material necessary to do it. Uh, and I think we're back on uh, the horns of the dilemma at the beginning of this, where uh, I think together we were talking about really this is the moment where Europe has to step up and take care of Europe. The United States should not be in a position of paying 10 times more in humanitarian assistance to Ukraine than all of the rest of Europe combined. Uh, this mi military material, given what we just went through in East Asia with China wargaming against Taiwan, a legitimate question can be asked about shouldn't that material be going over to Taiwan to deter China so that we don't get stuck in another other conflict. Uh, and I just I think there's been no accountability for how these resources have been used in the Ukraine theater, too. So however just the cause may be for the Ukrainian people to stand up, I don't think that the American government has done them any favors and the European governments as a whole have done, done them even a larger disservice. Stephen, how concerned are you and, and should we all be about the possibility of a dramatic Russian escalation in this conflict. There's video that people uh, have been seeing today of a bomb, uh, Russian thermobaric bombs dropped in a Ukrainian village, which uh, look like pretty large scale munitions, even given the conflict as it's already gone on here. We know Russia has not just nuclear, but tactical nuclear weapons or low yield, small scale nuclear weapons. If they don't achieve more ground, do you think they'll escalate or are they going to continue to grind away mostly or, or solely rather with the conventional munitions approach we've seen so far? Uh, the risk of what are considered to be smaller scale weapons of mass destruction, I mean, they're still very uh, dramatic and lethal uh, armaments that are being that are being used there, uh, but uh, not of the Hiroshima Nagasaki variety that people think of from the history books. Uh, I think that there's a very real risk of Russia escalating and then pulling back some to see what they gain. Uh, and putting the West somewhat on notice. And again, I would put this first and foremost on the shoulders of Europeans before Americans. Uh, but there's a real challenge of what is anyone really prepared to do about it? Uh, the slow burn of Ukraine in some ways has been working for Putin and for Moscow. Uh, that trajectory hasn't really changed. 
they could do that almost infinitely. And that's extremely unfortunate for the Ukrainian people. Uh, and it's bad for the stability of Eastern Europe, first and foremost. Uh, but at any given moment, we can't know for sure whether Putin will want to try some of these bigger armaments out. They have them. They've talked about being able to use them. And sure enough, they could. And the West, the United Nations and others have no answer for it yet. Stephen, I want to switch gears to another national security challenge, to put it mildly, the situation of Taiwan. And the latest here from Reuters is that Taiwan is rejecting the one country, two systems model proposed by Beijing in a white paper that was published this week. Uh, is, is that exactly what you would expect? What, what is Beijing offering up there? Are, are they even serious about seeing if Taiwan will take it? And and now that we've had some time after the Pelosi visit, has the trajectory changed overall between China and Taiwan? Well, the whole idea of one country, two systems is something that was put forward in the era of Deng Xiaoping, uh, who was the leader who emerged after Mao Zedong's uh, absolute tragic great cultural pro proletariat revolution. It just destroyed China politically, economically, and otherwise. And it was the detente with the United States under Nixon and Kissinger and forward that breathed new life into the country there. And so a much weaker China at the time was trying to hold open this broader umbrella of a China polity that could have very different forms of government under that umbrella. Uh, the model ultimately became applied to Hong Kong, uh, and this transfer of sovereignty occurred from Great Britain to China. But the, now the Hong Kong model completely destroyed any marketability of this whole notion of one country, two systems. So for Taiwan at this point to say that it rejects that model, I think they basically already rejected it. Beijing has made that offer a dead letter. The war games and all this other pressure, I think just further cements a separate identity for the people of Taiwan. Uh, I think that they have to really think hard about their civil defense and what are they prepared to do to defend themselves independent of the United States because they know watching what's happened with Ukraine, watching what's happened in other parts of the world, they can't rest all of their hopes on Uncle Sam coming to the rescue. In some ways that's healthy, but in others it's a little bit concerning given the economic and other stakes that we have in what we buy from Taiwan. The advanced semiconductors and our ninth largest trading partner generally, it would have another economic hit on Americans after COVID and that's just not right for American families. Here's former advisor to the defense uh, secretary, Doug McGregor, weighing in on the U.S. defense of Taiwan. Wanted to have you react to this. Taiwan was the unsinkable aircraft carrier of the Imperial Japanese Armed Forces. All the major invasions of China were launched from Taiwan. Beijing will not allow Taiwan to become a garrison state for American armed forces or Japanese armed forces or any foreign power. And if they think that we are going to ally ourselves with Taiwan, if they think we are going to intervene to defend that island in the event of a dispute, then we will be at war with China for the reasons that I just outlined. What do you make of that, Stephen? Well, it would be an interesting line of argument if it had any attachment to the history that the world lived. Uh, there, the Japanese invasion of China was heavily from the northeast of China across the Korean Peninsula and down into the country. Uh, the Japanese relationship with Taiwan existed long before the, the civil war between the communists and the nationalists. 
Uh, and the whole idea that uh, this narrative of some kind of an aggrievance uh, from Beijing's point of view is, is frankly, the, the communist party school revisionism on history. Uh, it's definitely the case that Beijing doesn't want to be hemmed into its borders, uh, but the option is its own. Uh, if it just reduces the belligerence a little bit, a lot of these economies and countries are very permissive in its relations with China, as has been the case over the last generation that has made China very wealthy. Uh, and so uh, I think that the idea of us allying with Taiwan provoking a conflict or going to war just is revisionism historically, but also it has this added problem of Beijing is the prime mover on this. They didn't need to do any of the crushing of Hong Kong, any of the threatening of Taiwan, any of the belligerence towards Japan or the United States. It's Xi Jinping and his Communist Party that are choosing this. And so the only question we have is how and when are we going to respond and hopefully avoid that major escalation if we can. David, good to see you as always. Thanks for your expertise. My pleasure. Thank you, Buck. Texas gubernatorial candidate Beto O'Rourke got a little testy with a heckler during a recent campaign event. We'll have the video for you in quick hits. Stay with us. Beto O'Rourke gets a little salty with a heckler and American Federation of Teachers President Randy Weingarten, the teacher's commissar, acknowledges what we've been saying for years now. Those stories on quick hits, let's get right to it. Look, the fact that Beto O'Rourke is still running for anything is pretty amazing in and of itself. I mean, this guy, what exactly is he good at? Why does anyone think that he has judgment, experience, or knowledge that would make him a good local dog catcher, never mind governor of a state like Texas, a great state like Texas? Um, but Beto runs on emotion, as you know, and occasionally, because the media wants you to believe he's really cool and he gets Vanity Fair covers, he'll just drop a curse. Because, yeah, that just shows how much he cares. So he's talking about guns, and this is an issue where he gets very emotional. He doesn't know really anything about the subject, um, but he was talking about it, and he said something that was, uh, I think he said that people develop the AR-15 to penetrate a helmet at 500 feet or something. He was making something up. A heckler heckled him, and here's how Beto reacted. You could buy two or more if you want to, AR-15s, hundreds of rounds of ammunition, and take that weapon that was originally designed for use on the battlefields in Vietnam to penetrate an enemy soldier's helmet at 500 feet and knock him down dead up against kids at five feet. It may be funny to you, mother but it's not funny to me, okay? Yeah, Beto cares so much. Coming for your Air 15, he says. Good luck with that, Beto. Good luck with that one. Randy Weingarten, teacher's commissar, uh, she's awful. Uh, she is a completely. Uh, died-in-the-wool Democrat, could not be any more of a left-wing apparatchik. And she made sure that the Biden administration bent to the teachers' union's wills, a will, rather, when it came to keeping schools closed, locked down, and then masks, and then all these other crazy ideas, because the teachers were, a lot of them, uh, not in school at all for a long time because they were so scared of COVID. Now she's pointing out what we've been saying all along, that kids have big problems, big problems, because of those completely unscientific, unnecessary lockdowns. Watch. You have um, all of the pandemic stress and strain, particularly that 
um, kids are coming in with um, greater needs because of two years of disruption. Yes, disruption that never should have happened. That's the part of it that, you know, you really should focus in on for a second here, everybody. There was no reason to close down schools ever, actually. Children were safe. And there wasn't any difference uh, for, for most of the, the teachers that were, oh, they were so scared of it. Um, they were going to be fine. Teachers are overwhelmingly young. You, the teachers retire. So they were at very low risk, too. And they all probably got COVID anyway. So what was the point? I mean, if people had to work in the grocery store, they don't have to work in the schools because the grocery store stayed open. Hillary says, by the way, you can run a great, because, uh, you know, we're told that you can't say anything that's misinformation about elections. Twitter just put out new policies on this today, actually. The commissars over at Twitter are weighing in. Hillary Clinton says you can run a great campaign and have it stolen from you. Watch. You can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee. And you can have the election stolen from you. Have the election stolen from you. So why is she allowed to say that election's stolen, but that's not going to get taken off social media? That's fine. She's allowed to say, Democrats say elections are stolen all the time. They don't care. That's fine. But Republicans raise any questions about an election, the integrity, any of the processes, and can't allow that on the internet. Too dangerous to our democracy. We live in a republic, but anyway. A Sesame Street character has been removed from the theme park after uh, allegedly failing to appropriately hug a black child. This was interesting. Daily Mail headline... Rosita gets canceled. Sesame Place removes all traces of the character from the park after a black family launched a $25 million lawsuit claiming the mascot was racist and ignored their children. $25 million, huh? It's because a person in a big suit didn't give a hug to somebody. That's, that's good money if you can get it. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Fields high. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to supporting our nation's first responders and veterans, heroes who put their lives on the line for our communities and our country, heroes like U.S. Army Major Jonathan Turnbull. Major Turnbull sustained devastating injuries at the hands of an ISIS suicide bomber, the complete loss of his left eye, a puncture to his right eye. He needed more than 20 surgeries and countless hours of rehabilitation. Tunnel to Towers paid off his mortgage and gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his needs. He moves around his home more easily now. His home also gives him hope. With help from people like you, the foundation supports families like the Turnbulls. Join Tunnel the Towers in supporting America's heroes, our nation's catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, homeless veterans, Gold Star families, and the families of fallen first responders. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel the Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.